Welcome to the Big Box PC Game Collectors Podcast. What is it that makes us want to collect PC games? That's the very question we asked ourselves when we recorded on May 17th of 2015. Most of us who came together here in the group seem to have very similar stories. My wife can tell you that um, I had a thing for keeping the boxes for years. Like, I don't know, it wasn't like my mind wasn't in that space where I was like a collector. You know, I just hung on to all these boxes. I don't know if it was because they were substantially sized and they were full of stuff. And um, But, I mean, by the time I was in high school, college, I had amassed so many of these things that they were taking up a sizable amount of space in the house. Uh, once I got out of college, they were just kind of hanging around my parents' house for, you know, haunting my parents for years. And uh, by the time I got out of college, me and Heather got married and moved into this place. And um, I had to decide if I wanted to move um, empty boxes or not. And um, I opted for throwing a lot of the empty boxes away, which was a sad thing. But, I mean, whenever you're moving, I'm sure a lot of you can relate. It's like, do you want to spend energy and space in a truck to move empty boxes that you never never looked at anymore. So anyway, that, that happened, and we had the Great Purge. And then um, years later, uh, I don't know, I started like, I don't know, my mom passed away, and I started reconnecting with things to, you know, reconnect with my childhood somewhat. And uh, collecting video games just became a thing. Like, Nintendo games, well, I guess was kind of how it started, because I kind of started reacquiring Nintendo games that I had and then I started thinking well you know PC games are kind of kind of my bread and butter that's kind of where I started and um, so that's that's always been my main I've always been a PC gamer that's that's been my my thing of choice ever since I was a little kid I mean we're talking little enough to where I could didn't even know what I was doing that's pretty much it I, pr- I prioritize on RPGs mostly and if you pay attention to the things that I post, um, I had a lot of adventure games when I was a kid, Sierra ones like everyone did, because in the early, late 80s, early 90s, it was all Sierra all the time. But um, where my heart's really at is in the like the old Gilbox games and Bard's Tale, just old RPGs pretty much. That's my story, and that's why I'm doing this. And then, you know, started the group, and here we are. I don't know how, how much my story is like y'all's, but um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, I actually had, I'm quite lucky because I didn't have a great purge. I hung on to my, uh, my games collection and um, then, it beca- then it became sort of something I was quite pleased to have because I, uh, uh, while I was trying to uh, uh, st- uh, study, um, study computing, I just somehow got into, uh, I stumbled into doing games journalism and uh, that took over and I had this big stack of games, and I could sort of refer to the refer to the past. And this was in the early, two, and this was at 99, 2000. And uh, you could get a bit of mileage out of appealing in a review out of appealing to nostalgia. And I had the nostalgia at my finger fingertips. And so I never got rid of those. Uh, they, these games are now into their third country, uh, having followed me around the world. But uh, I did sort of get out of gaming in quite uh, through most of my through most of my twenties. I, I sort of went from being absolutely obsessed and keeping track of modern releases to completely not having the least bit of interest and not paying attention to anything. And uh, then I picked it up again, sort of towards the late uh, late two thousands. But 
that was more a having modern consoles, keeping up with modern titles and modern titles, gaming, uh, gaming, not properly competitively, but uh, sort of deathmatch with with friends and co with friends, colleagues, and uh, um, professional rivals. And uh, then I had the opportunity to move, and I found all these games when I was um, when I was unpacking some stuff from storage, and most of them hadn't rotted to my delight. Some of them had, which is why I'm now quite good at cleaning up uh, really disgusting game boxes. Having set, having settled in, I in I kind of discovered the uh, big box group, which it turns which it turns out I was always planning on exhibiting my games on shelves and having a pro having proper space for them and restoring my old computers uh, so they're actually available and hooked up to a TV so I could use them. But having the groups just, uh, it's kind of like, uh, right, you know how people go to uh, support groups if they're trying to give up an addiction? Whatever the opposite of that is, yeah, that's what we've got here. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, um, being a nerd as a child is a very solitary experience. You have all this cool stuff, right? Like, I have piles of this cool stuff. And it's cool because I think it's cool. I'd say 95% of the people out there probably don't think it's cool, but obviously we all think it's cool. So, you know, the group is a nice outlet to show and talk about this stuff. It really gives me that kind of outlet. I think it's kind of inspired me to make more of my, my collection rather than just keep it, uh, keep it in boxes. It's very much motivating me to actually get on with restoring, the st with restoring the stuff and coming up with nice shelving solutions so I can take photos of it and, you know, hear these little awed gasps of wonder over the internet because, obviously, I'm kind of narcissistic and I, I, feed, I feed on your likes. I'm not really sure, actually, how I got into this. It's been a long time already, <laughs> but I'll tell you what I do remember. One is that my dad was a computer hobbyist, so he had a lot of games when I was a kid. Um, and I already talked about, I think, how when we moved, like, one time when I was around 15, I, I, he, th I, he threw out, like, all his old, like, TRS-80 stuff, really, on my insistence, which was stupid of me. Um, we kept all the IBM-compatible co stuff, which included some of the stuff he bought and some stuff that I had bought. I was already 15 at that point, so we kept all that. And I think a couple things happened after that. One of them was that I started to not like pirated games so much. I started to feel like it's not really right to pirate games. I had a lot of pirated games, so I was like, you know, I really should buy the original games for these games are good games. That's number one. Number two, actually, I remember I went to a friend of mine's house, and he had on his shelf the first four King's Quest games in the gold boxes all lined up on the shelf, and I thought it looked so amazingly cool, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I could that's so cool. Where'd you get those? Like, oh, I got them like KB or something. I'm like, oh man, that's that, it was really nice. This guy's like not a game collector at all anymore. Like, he's not had to play games probably any, the last like 20 years. But I was like, wow, this is cool. So maybe I should start like doing that too. I didn't have shelf space, and I remember that um, I was keeping like like lots of game boxes under my bed. Like, I guess I had a, like a high bed, and there was a lot of space underneath it, so there were like boxes piled up throughout the whole profile of the bed, like, to the top. If the bed would have collapsed, like, that would be the end of all the boxes, but that's where I kept them for a while. And then, this was all before the internet, really, and then, I guess, a few years later, when the internet came out, and, uh, I mean, at the time, I was, like, going to, like, AB, and I was going to KB Toys and buying whatever's in the bargain bin. There was a lot of, a lot of stuff in the bargain bin. When the internet started to come out, I started to learn a lot more about, like, what was in the older games, all the feelings that they had, and also heard of a lot more games I never heard of, and then I started buying those too, and they were very very cheap originally. All like I have like like old like canceled checks, like at least I've made notes of, 
from like beginning of inter of eBay before there was PayPal, and like every game I bought was like ten bucks or less. I mean, like it was like you know <laughs> nobody wanted this stuff, and that it's evolved over time into the sickness that I possess today. I guess. Do you I have a really... particular genre you collect on, or? Uh... Oh yeah, I, I know mean, you I have one of the that. broadest collections of all of us. Yeah, it's it's not just that I um I don't just collect because I'm because I'm a lunatic. I hope. I mean, that's probably part of it, but. I, a little bit. Yeah, I basically collect games that I like to play, and historically the games that I like the most are always adventure games. So I started to collect basically every adventure game that I could find because I, with the goal of playing them all one day, but I realized pretty quickly that, like, in the early days of computing, there were so many text adventures developed, like for the Spectrum and the C64 and the BBC and, like, every other computer you heard of and you never heard of. So I decided the only way to like fo focus the collection a little bit was to only target stuff that was released for the IBM PC, because that was mostly what I had anyway at that point. And it was a good way to keep it focused, and that's what I that's what I basically targeted on was adventures for the IBM PC. As time went on, I branched out, you know, to RPGs quite a bit because they're like the the bastard cousin of the adventure game. <laughs> Sorry, Joel, <laughs> and. Uh, I mean, there's some really good ones out there that I remember playing when I was a kid too, like Pool of Radiance or whatever. And I also branched out into a little bit other other formats and things like that, and you know, even consoles and stuff like that. So I, I did branch out quite a bit, but the core of it has always been adventures for the IBM. So if I find something else I like, I might buy it. But if I see an adventure for the IBM that I don't have, like it's like I must have it, basically. <laughs> I can relate with, you know, I played a lot of games when I was a kid. I didn't buy a lot of games when I was a kid, so you guys can put two and two together on that. But uh, when I was an adult, um, you know, these buying these things one is like a redemption kind of thing, and two is um, they're like monuments to, you know, like I had played a lot of games, but I didn't have any physical, any kind of physical evidence of these things, you know, and these the box, these boxes, and that's why the box portion of what we do is so important because they're like these slabs of evidence of uh, how cool things were back then. And I guess um, I made a, a speech or was talking to my buddy about Steam, and I'm I play with I play a lot of games on Steam. I like Steam. I think Steam is very uh, convenient and nice and easy and it's cheap, but there was something about going to the store and getting a big box of stuff and, you know, sitting in Burger King or wherever, eating a cheeseburger and looking through all the stuff in the box. And that's an experience that entire generations of gamers are never going to have because they don't have manuals anymore, registration cards or any of the stuff to kind of keep track of. Actually, Julie, you just reminded me of something else. I think the first game, the big box game that I ever bought in the store myself was Space Quest 3. And the reason why was because I pirated from a friend of mine Police Quest 1 and Space Quest 2. I played them both. They're both pretty good. At the end of Space Quest 2, it basically ends on like a cliffhanger. He goes into space on like a pod, <laughs> and then he's like, you know, it's like, you'll see you in Space Quest 3. And I was like, what the heck? So, like, I got to play Space Quest 3 now. So I, I actually went, I went to the store like with my dad, and I said, like, you know, got to get this game. Come on, like, give me money. <laughs> And we bought it, we took it home, and the bad thing about it was that I finished it like in, over the weekend. That was the bad thing about it. But the good thing about it was I opened it up and it had those nose glasses inside. 
And the first thing I did was like put them together, pop it on, like wear them, like, wow, this is so cool. This is amazing. This is what you get when you buy a box version of a game. Not just like the coat. I actually got something cool. I wore it for like you know, a couple of weeks around the house or whatever. And this this is like that was standard back then. So that was another really cool reason to collect these things. Do you guys uh, pay sort of seek out official ways of rewarding the people who developed those games that you didn't have entirely legally or entirely officially for whatever reason when you were younger? Because um, I, I I don't th- I I know lots of people had ended up with some at least some pirate games at one point or another. And for my part. Um, I do in cases in cases where there's a, there's a game I love that I never managed to get in the original format at the, in the original copy at the time. Not only do I seek out the big box on eBay or whatever, but because that doesn't actually reward reward the team that made this piece of art that I really enjoy, I then try and find an official channel. That's why I get quite peeved when uh, some old game that I'm quite excited about um, replaying isn't available on good old games or on Steam. And for example, I was, I was complaining recently about looking to play the first Prince of Persia game again. Uh, you, you, you eventually find that, oh, even the developer is saying that there are places you can get it online, but I can't mention them. It's like, no, I, I, I know you're fabulously wealthy and successful, but I want to exchange money for a legitimate copy of this. A lot of these older games have been passed around so much at this point that the original developers aren't anywhere near the picture anymore as far as collecting any money on them. You do hit Kickstarters by developers, and they and they tend to have tip jars labeled, if you have ever pirated and enjoyed any of our stuff, please give us a bit of cash. And I quite like that. Just um, uh, let me tell you, my stuff started when I was 12 years old, when I started to learning about computers, I study computers. So you can visualize a young kid, 12 years old, South America, beginning of the 80s. So get access to the computer was a little bit like a science fiction, right? I remember I studied with computers. I usually I need to rent computers because we don't have access to computers with one day of anticipation because it was very inaccessible. Um, I remember I got some games for some of my friends, copies of games, because it's, you know, Peru, there was a copy, basically. There's no... The same as in America, you had the original, just a virus copy. So I get some games, and then I share with my friends. We started sharing, and in the end, I ended. We have a big collection of a virus copy in in my hands when I was a young kid. I bought my first computer at the age of uh, 16. I wait like uh, two months to get the monitor because I only bought. I was able to afford the CPU, so then I get the monitor. So it was a little by little I get my computer. When I got my enough age, I, I opened a, a computer store, computer business. So now that I'm living in America, basically all this stuff bring me wonderful memories. Uh, those computers make me remember the, the times when it was so inaccessible, and now I can own all these original PCs by my own uh, in, in great condition. And I used to work in providing support and services to this, and now I just have it for fun. I and on all these um, original games, it, it, it was a very interesting experience to see it when you had chosen a pirate copy, you know, the little no-name disquette that you install the game and stuff, and then when you come to America, says, oh, look at this, this is the original box, this is the game that used to play so many times, this is, this is the box, it is, this is a manual, this is instruction, look at the art, and all this, it was a whole experience for me to see that. So it shows for me some kind of like a reindication for the life. Now I can own those computers that were so inaccessible back in that time. I can own all these games and, and programs that were so inaccessible. So it's a wonderful experience. I enjoy to collecting them. It's, it's my hobby. Hey, KG, you reminded me of something before. You talked about Prince of Persia, which was um, 
I remember when I was in uh, a counselor in day camp, so this is like in the high school days, and some guy came over to me, and I remember who it was, I read this very clearly, and he said, I have these two games you have to you have to try. They're both pirate games. You, you need to have copies of these. And I said, are they adventure games? He said, no, they're not adventure games. you got to play them, trust me. And the two games were Prince of Persia and Out of This World. And this guy had amazing taste, I'll tell you that much. Two, two classic, classic games. So... And I remember Prince of Persia, there was a program that came with it called P-O-P-C-R-K, like Prince of Persia Crack, that you had to run instead of the regular thing because otherwise it would kick you out at level three or something like that. But to your point before, I, I did something, I don't remember what this was, but I did like the great pirate piracy purge at some point in my life. Like my, I guess my dad had always pirated stuff and then he decided it was wrong, but he, he told me it was wrong, but I, didn't, I was like, yeah, you always used to do it, I'm not listening to you. But then at some point I also realized it was wrong. I went through like every single thing that I had. There used to be like a channel on IRC called Adventure Wares or something. And there was lots of different channels on IRC where people would distribute pirated games and every I had basically every adventure game that ever existed. And at some point I just went through everything and said, Okay, I don't own this, I'm gonna buy it, or I'm gonna delete the game and that's it. Like not no more pirated stuff. If I like if I played it already, if I liked it, I'm gonna go buy it. If I didn't play it, I can delete it if I want to, but if I want this, I gotta go actually buy the physical thing. So, that's that's what I did at some point. I guess hopefully it helped my uh, my karma. <laughs> when we were growing up, uh, my family was my parents worked their asses off and they had three kids and we were like mega poor uh, when I was growing. Up. I wouldn't say we were mega poor. We were struggling, you know. And I can remember going. We went to the mall, which going to the mall for us is like a special experience because one, we don't have a mall in town, so you have to drive two hours to get to one. And two, um, we could never afford to get anything in the mall, so it was a magical place of stuff that we couldn't have. And uh, I remember going in Babbage's, and um, Babbage's is my favorite place to go, and uh, they had a copy of uh, uh, Ultima 7 sitting on the shelf. And um, Ultima 7, that black box model was sitting on the shelf. I wanted it so freaking bad. But, of course, we couldn't get it. And uh, now as an adult, like, I went to college and you know, got a, a decent-paying job. Now I can just... It, Something that feels good about being able to just buy this stuff <laughs> now as an adult, the you know the stuff I couldn't have as a kid. It's I don't know. Freud would have a field day with um, that, I guess. <laughs> making up for lost time. Ah Thanks. yes, you are making up for your previous insecurity. It's something something like the same over here. I mean, I I was not able to buy all these games back then when I played like the beginning with the age of eight. But talking about the games we have right now, I was like, I guess, 15, starting from 15 or so. I, I don't have the money for those. I mean, most of them were really, 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 really expensive in Germany because most of them were imported. Uh, it took a while before we had localized versions and, and local local publishers or so. So if you have games which cost like, um, what to say, 100, 100 Deutsche Mark um, or more, which was like, uh, what was it? Back then, over yeah, over hundred twenty dollars or so um, per game. I was not able to to buy those. So the pirate scene was was a, a big one uh, on on in school or or elsewhere. We had a lot of friends. We had a lot of boxes full of discs, and it was like normal or these. <laughs> it was an uh, yeah an, an official way to get these games. It was like hey, everyone had it, everyone used it. It was okay, it was accepted. So it was the way back um, then how it works to get games because 
buying games means you will you have to wait like three months or so to to buy one game, and you played 15 to 20 games uh, in a month, and you were not able to buy them on on a normal way. So, so this is part Does of my. Does anyone else miss having the time to play 15 to 20 games in a month? I'm lucky if I do one a week. That is that is another story exactly, but that is so. This is some part of my hobby now. Um, collecting big box games is I like to own these games. I played so much and and learned so much from especially English vocabulary or a lot of. You know, I, I was a PC kind of guy from the beginning, so I learned a lot about how PC works and what I have to do to get this game working. You know, I need memory. I need to put in something. I need to install something. I need to. Connect PCs for for playing my first uh, multiplayer games and so on. So I learned a lot, and I just liked all these games. I played back then a lot of times, and now I can achieve it. I I can buy them, and that is one of the main reasons why I'm doing it because I can, and I couldn't do it back then. I'm still happy that I have like one to three um, games from from back then. We originally bought together with my brother, but. All the other ones we had bought, we, we had to so, uh, sell again to, to buy a new one. We were not able to keep those. We were not as rich as we already liked to be, so we had to be creative on that one. But what I, I'm not, not sure how you see that one, but what I don't like about collecting big box games, it's within the name, it's big box games. I mean, where to put them? I have a huge place problem and I need so much more space and what I don't like is to pull in somewhere what you see like here and you know, putting just somewhere to have them somewhere I want to like to show them in, in a nice way and I think guys who collecting stamps or so they have such a better life they just need a book and put in thousands of stamps in this goddamn book and if we're talking about thousand big boxes we know the problem and that is that is really a huge thing which I don't like. And I'm trying to say I have to stop to collect games because it's getting insane. I mean, I need a house for putting everything where I want to have it in. Having lived in small house shares for years and having my entire collection in cardboard boxes was a large part of sort of what kept me away, kept me away from my away from my interests. And uh, I'm kind of lucky I didn't I didn't just trash all. So I'm so grateful for having space now. Yeah, that is that is the thing. I mean, if you collect boxes and put them in other boxes to put them away because you don't have no space to, it's not them. right. It's not fair it, on the games. It's not like that. I have like a lot of friends who appreciate what I've done. I I don't care. But <laughs> I don't have a lot of guys coming over to see. Hey, let me see that nice shiny big boxes. That that's not the situation. But if someone would come over and say, Hey, you have the the first Tetris which was released in a box game. Wow, could I see it? I say. Yeah, let me see. Where do I have it again? Oh, it's in that box, below that box, be behind that boxes. I said, well, what is the sense? So, I want to have some space, ne, to show them all, or or what what else is it for? I don't know. Well, I I have too many games to display. I just that's it. I, I decided a long time ago, like the games that I that I keep on posting on the group, like all those obscure adventure games from the two thousands. If I would post have a bookshelves of all those games. You know, they're small boxes, not big boxes. Forget it. I mean, like, it's ridiculous. So what I do with those is I basically flatten them out. I put the CD in a... <laughs> I put the CD in a CD tower, and I flatten out the box and put it in a, in a box for storage. But I, but I only do that with games that don't come with anything except for a CD and, and maybe a small manual. 
Like if, if something actually gets released that comes with actually some feelies, then I actually put that on a shelf. Those are the ones you really want to display. The other ones are really for playing and just for the sake of, of completeness, the way I see it. I have to say the feelings are a really important part of the uh, part of the collecting for, uh, for me. I mean, it's there's less of a difference between a digital download and a game that comes with just is just a dis a CD rattling around a great big empty box than there is than there is between that other you know there's, and then the, is they're both on a completely different level to your proper big box chock uh, chock full of uh, stuff. I mean, you, you, I mean that's sort of the reason you had these old small box format um, uh, formats, um, which I, I, I think I actually think are quite nice. And I'm uh, again, this is a quite a British, uh, quite a British thing to do, particularly with the uh, sort of UK home computers. You see a lot of C64 stuff in particular, and I kind of wish, and I kind of wish that uh, you saw more of you saw more of that sort of uh, sort of thing, because there's something quite nice about those that um, a uh, standard disc box or DVD case doesn't ha doesn't have that. It's still boxy. It's not hugely space consuming. But I digress. Yeah, I remember when when big boxes kind of went out because I remember I was reading. It seems like I was reading either PC Gamer or, or Computer Gaming World. I can't remember, remember which magazine it was, but they were like, "Yay! Thank God that the big boxes are gone and these small boxes are." You know, it was at the time that we moved on to those little boxes, and. Um, they were like celebrating the end of the big boxes because stores didn't have room to put them. I guess like shelf space was disappearing. We didn't get that in Europe so much. I mean, I got Neverwinter Nights, uh, not the old one, the new one, um, in a in a small box format. Uh, but we pretty much had the jump straight to CD, straight to DVD case, pretty fast on. Yeah, the Europe, I remember they were doing the DVD cases way before we had them in, in the U.S. The, the corollary of that was they had DVDs in Europe way before we had them in the U.S. Like, the publishers in the U.S. didn't want to, like, take a chance on releasing a game on DVD because they were afraid that nobody had DVD players. Whereas in, in the U.K. And, and I guess in Europe in general, it seemed like the DVD format was starting to use much earlier along with the DVD box format. So it was good and bad about that, because I always hated getting games with, like, eight CDs or some nonsense like that. I always wish they put it on a DVD, and even when they had the technology in eight, they usually didn't do it. And now we're living that again with Blu-ray, and uh, <laughs> console games are all coming on one Blu-ray, and the PC versions are coming on 18 DVDs. And Grand Theft Auto Five, right? <laughs> uh, let, like let's not DVDs. forget the 80 gigabyte download. Right. <laughs> That's my stuff. slow ADSL. What I did with with collecting is um, my main focus, as most of you know, is collecting adventure games like Stewart, hmm, point-and-click adventure games, because it was my favorite genre when I started computer games. What were not my first games I played on the PC, but the ones I got most hooked to and, and really were interesting in about, especially Sierra ones. Um, after I was a bit tired of collecting adventure games because you reach a point um, where I, I'm, I'm not looking for every adventure game that exists out there, but the ones I know and the ones I've played or the ones I heard of and wanted to play, something like that. So at some point I reached a, a, a time where I was not able to find more games because they were not available on eBay or on other places where I looked for. So I think, okay, I, I want to collect 
connecting uh, because you, you need to collect something somehow. So I said, okay, I want to collect games I played a lot back then besides adventure games. And I opened another Excel file and wrote down the games out, that came out of my mind, which games I played a lot back then. Prince of Persia, Tetris, all the platform jumping ones, Commander Keens, and the first-person shooters. And when I were at, at first-person shooters, I was like, okay, it was Doom, it was Wolfenstein, it was Quake, it was Quake 1, Quake 2, Quake 3, it was Doom. And so I, I just wrote down a few games and I looked at the Excel lines and I was like at line 150 and I say, what the fuck? I mean, how many games did I play back then? What did I do with all my time? And so I started to collecting a few of them, but then I said again, space is an issue. So I said I, I need to stop somehow, somewhere, no? otherwise I would have a collection as huge as my adventure game collection, and I would never ever be able to, to put them on a shelf somewhere because I will not ever get so many rooms which I need for for collecting that kind of games. I have a very slightly different angle on what I, on what I collect because, um, as, as, as I said, I, I still have much of my original collection, so I'm only filling in a handful of gaps um, of things that I wanted or things I didn't have original copies of. Um, but uh, what I quite what I quite uh, like picking up on is because I had a gap of not playing games, which included which included, and there's a load of big box that I missed. I'm sort of going back and picking up games that. Not only that I've never heard of, but uh, no, uh, no one else has uh, heard of. So it's kind of the forgotten games, and uh, and that, and I'm specifically buying them not so much to collect, but to play, because a lot of them have have terrible reputations. Some some of them deserved, some of them not. But I'm just really fascinated by these sort of media artifacts that no one really remembers anything about, which I suppose ties in to our obscure game, uh, our obscure games thing that we were talking about and showing off earlier. For me, it's not about nostalgia, per se. It's more about, like, the stuff I liked when I was younger, I never stopped liking. Same. I mean, I still play very... I still play games, both old and new, and, uh, yeah, I, I still really enjoy these things, and I think a lot of you guys feel the same. Totally, totally agree, and that is one thing which really put me back in, in more actively collecting, because I'm a bit disappointed about modern games um, in a lot of... Um, there were so many bad games back then, without doubt, and I have a lot of bad games in my collection as well. But, talking about adventure games, for example, um, I, I enjoyed more of them back then. So, today they are so casual, they are short, they are casual. They are, so, the way how adventure games are um, recognized today or played today has changed a bit, in my opinion. There are still a few classic adventure games available, and due to Kickstarter and other things, um, some old-style games um, will, will come back again, but I'm, I'm a bit disappointed from, from nowadays games, and so I looked more into the, the old ones again and collect games that I want want to play. You know, I have a retro machine which, which is capable of those, or we know all we can emulate them on the modern machines, so I'm starting again to play those, those old games, and I enjoy them a lot. A lot of them aged well. No? Some are not so playable or so good playable today, but a lot are, and I really do enjoy playing them. Starting from shooters, going over to adventure games or other genres as well, and that is one thing which really put me again into this collecting scene. Uh, when I was younger, I bought a lot of games just for the box art. I had no idea what for game it was. I never heard of it. 
I just went to the store and I, I looked through all the games and think, wow, this is an awesome box. And I looked on the back and, and I, I, I bought it. I, I had games. Uh, when I, I came home, my, my dad's PC they couldn't run them. The, the PC was way too slow, but I just I thought it was awesome. So the, the games didn't even work, but I was so happy just with the box and, and with the content, and it, it was awesome. So that's my story. Thanks for listening. Good story. <laughs> so so why money money wasn't an issue? Is that right? So you just bought everything you got and. You really no, bought it? No, if, no, absolutely not. I, it, it were all budget uh, bins, and uh, money was was a problem for me. So, uh, <laughs> so it, it wasn't. I bought all the news, the latest games or whatever. So, uh, absolutely not. Because I, I had a friend. Uh, I remember a friend of mine back then. Um, he was like he has really rich parents, and he he hadn't his own opinion on a lot of things and we were really close um, and do a lot of things together and he has like if I'm if I mention something he has bought it the other day so there were a lot of things I was not able to buy um, no we were talking about some things and he went out and bought it and when I start uh, gaming a lot and, and go we're uh, yeah, involved in gaming more and more he bought so many games that I was talking about but he was not a, he was not able to play it because he was he, he does not know how to play it you know, he and he was not so interested in playing them he was more interested in owning them knowing that he can buy it and I'm not able to buy them on the other hand it was good for me because that was where this was my pirate source number one you know, because he had bought the games already and I borrowed them and yeah but but that's another but the story. problem is the problem is those guys are still around those are the guys that buy out all the collector's editions so that I can't get one that's the problem. Uh, so he can have a site that nobody else has. Yeah. Whenever I was growing up, is that they didn't they would you know own everything, but they didn't respect any of it. You know, like they'd be the guys that would have the boxes that were flat, and they threw all those stuff away. Or whenever you go to a thrift stop and you pick up thrift store and you pick up the game and it's got the wrong disc inside, those were the assholes that were doing that because they didn't care about I'm stuff. Quite I'm quite lucky because I think because I lived in a in a small in a small town in a small country, we had quite a quite 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 a tight knit gaming community. There were only a handful of us, and so we used to hang and hang out at uh, the at the uh, local game store. And I was one of the few of us who was bilingual, who was properly bilingual, so I could translate solutions from English magazines into Greek and from Greek magazines into English. And I was the first person to solve the solve the seventh guest, so I noticed so I wrote up a solution for everyone. And there was that there was that sort of uh, exchange of ideas, and everyone seemed to have quite a hard on for having all the stuff once we got access to the originals. Uh, but we had a huge age range, I remember, because you know it wasn't a very common thing to have a home computer at all, particularly uh, in the Greek parts. I mean, there was there were British Forces kids and. Uh, I, that's actually where I got my first second-hand C64 and a load of games off some kid on an army base. I think we, I think I was quite lucky because I didn't have anyone who tried to rub their game collection in my face at all. We, we, we were nice. I don't know who you guys knew. What drives me nuts um, is you pick up like a PlayStation game at Goodwill, and it's like I don't know Final Fantasy VII or something that's you know sought after. You open it up and it'll have like Elmo's ABC, you know. Thing, and I look at my wife, and I'm like, who the hell does this? Who puts, who, I mean. I had a housemate who did that. <laughs> boxes in the DVD cases. I, so help me. I know, it just drives, drives me nuts, man. Uh, anyway. 
Thanks for listening to the Big Box PC Game Collectors Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. You can also watch the original video version of this podcast on our YouTube channel, which includes the show and tell segments. Um, that was good though. We had a nice, that was a nice little round table, um, little support group that we just had for what we do. Yeah, we're fine. We don't have a problem. <laughs> we're, we're all fine. We're all fine here. Completely in control. Stop anytime we like. <laughs>